Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, a Neon Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 10, which is titled, Do You See What I See? The episode aired on December 18th, 1997, our last 1997 episode. Lauren, what was going that week 24 years ago? The San Francisco 49ers retired jersey number 16 in honor of the Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana. Spice World, starring Spice Girls, makes its red carpet debut in the UK. Yes. Um, Stateside, though, an odd December release, Scream 2, starring Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette, whom you cannot kill, debuts at and takes the number one spot at the box office. And Candle in the Wind, 1997, Something About the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John continues its run atop the music charts. Must be a week that ends in Y or a day that ends in Y. (laughs) I mean, technically it's a week that ends in Y. I guess. Mm. I don't know. Why is this song still at the top? That's what I want to know. Uh, As far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Girl from Poughkeepsie. At 8.30 p.m., Union Square, still hanging on with the episode The First Christmas Snow. Unfortunately, it would be the last Christmas Snow for Union Square. They got like two episodes left. Oops. Uh, At 9 p.m., Seinfeld with the episode The Strike. And at 9.30 p.m., Veronica's Closet, the episode Veronica's Christmas Song. Do you sense a theme developing? I think it might be Christmas. Yeah, I think we might be just a week week removed from old St. Nick invading people's homes. We might be headed into a real trite uh christmas episode who knew uh Uh, about that (laughs) this week's episode had 32.4 million viewers tuning in the episode is directed by sarah i can't decide if this is pia or pia sarah pia sarah pia couldn't find a satisfactory explanation online but i'm gonna go with pia what there's a there's a magic character named pia nalar and that's always it's pronounced pia so i'm gonna say pia all right Fine. Sarah Pia Anderson, and this is her only episode that she would direct. Um, She seems like kind of a journeyman television director. Lots of one or two episode stays on different shows. Um, Just some of the highlights of other stuff she's directed for. um, Gilmore Girls, Grey's Anatomy, and Ugly Betty, among a bunch of other things. Um, So go check her out. This week's episode is written by Linda Gase. It's the team, actually. we got two main writers on this episode. Linda Gase, uh, doing her first of 25 episodes through 1999. And Jack Orman doing his second out of 28 episodes. Uh, previous one of his from this season we talked about was When the Bow Breaks. Right. And our previously on this week is brought to us by Carter. And we go into the episode proper uh, with Doug and Carol getting some AM smoochies on. You love it. It's my life. <laughs> Don't you love it, Lauren? I love it. <laughs> She's trying to wake him up in the on-call room uh, at 6.10 a.m. They're juggling shifts to try and get together for the holidays. Uh, be it Christmas or New Year's. And Doug says for Carol to tell the nurses about the two of them. Uh, We then go from there. We see Herb getting pictures of him working on the defibrillator in the ER in his scrubs uh, after his uh, life-saving heroics from last episode. Uh, We find out that the charges are all clear. Herb made the lawsuit disappear as promised. Uh, And this little scene here, we are done with Herb until 2005. Dan Hedaya, we hardly knew ye. Uh, Comes in makes his magic and then just vanishes into the night for a solid eight years until he will return. Right. And then we go into someone's apartment with clothes strewn all over the floor, but whoops, not so fast. It looks like it's actually a hotel room as we see Carrie's cane panned past and she slept with Ellis. Oh my gosh. I mean, Clancy Brown is a ruggedly handsome man. So can you blame Daniel's her? Daniel's shaking his head. He doesn't seem to agree with, with team I just, Chicago. I like, here though like i get it like later like i get it he does like the mountain man thing i get that like that that makes more sense to me this here though this he looks like a used car salesman i understand where carrie is in her career and what's going on in her life how this would be exactly the sleaze she's after right now fair so no go for it get it carrie you deserve some um and then we switch outside to by the stairs of the L tracks because we see Anna offering to help Benton, who is carrying a bunch of Christmas gifts inside. He says that he they are having Christmas at his sister's last that night, and he is not to be outdone. Give me more Jackie. We need more Jackie in the show. Always more Jackie. Uh, and our first trauma is coming in as Anna and Benton are walking in. Uh, it's a hit and run homeless blind guy with a guide dog. Uh, his name is Bart, and who plays Bart? 
Bart is played by actor Leland Crook, who appeared in stuff like the TV series Charmed and Parenthood. And uh, this is his only appearance, correct? Only appearance. Okay. Uh, he is suddenly talking about how we can see after Benton lays a hand on him and we hear like a magical like doo 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 like little twinkle in this see we're missing the twinkles from the intro but here we got <laughs> there's there's a couple of different twinkles in this uh-huh in this episode on uh, Santa and it comes in uh, Santos is the name of the dog and uh, we are in with bangs we are we are 10 for 10 on the bangs so far we miss you twinkles and we start out immediately with whose films are those? They are wasting no time not having those rooms turned around. Um, they are working on Bart and the trauma, and he keeps describing all the things he can see. And Anna wonders what his scam is, and Benton is convinced that he was never blind. This will be kind of a running C-plot for Anna and Benton. This is the Bart situation. Yeah. Um and then Carol is trying to find someone to take her shift, but we find out Lydia can't because she's cooking for Al's family. Uh, then we see Ra- Randy trying to tell Connie how to untangle a ball of Christmas lights, to which Connie's like, well, do you want to do it? <laughs> which is great. Great admit nurse moment there. And then Carol asks Carter if she needs to get a spread of food for the clinic for later when his grandparents come to visit. Because Gamma always does a run of, you know, all the charities that she contributes to to see how they're performing and just you know christmas goodwill christmas bitch do you want more money (laughs) hopefully that's the that's the spirit and not christmas bitch this is where you're getting cut off yeah uh but then we see young henry show back up asking carter if uh he'll help him pass his clerkship Uh, i just say just needs to cross off you know one or two small procedures just wants to do an lp or an intubation so he can get his passing grade and move on so yeah. This and is then, also the last we're going to see of Henry and when this episode is done. Aww. We're done with Henry for another eight another 2005er. He we're done with him for 8 years as well. 2005, man. It's just started to feel the press of Grey's Anatomy. I think that's when Grey's Anatomy debuted. Yeah, yeah so. then they were like, "You know what? We need to crack the uh Emergency Dan Hedaya and Chad Lowe glass. <laughs> we need to bring them back in. We need to recapture that 1997 magic." Uh, but Cynthia is on the phone begging and crying about something and it turns out she hit the limit on her credit card. Uh with a that a big old six hundred dollars, which I think was the I think that was the limit on my first credit card. That was the limit on like the one that came with my high school checking account. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, when like I, was I got like one just I got one through the union I was yep. a part of the grocery store union I was a part of just to start building credit when I turned eighteen, and I think that was the limit was like five or six hundred dollars. Yep. So that was same with like when I was sixteen, I got one um, that I'd never used but I got it just part of the credit union I was a part of to start building credit. And me being an uneducated with money, 18 year old, I was like, holy shit, this is so much money that I have now. (laughs) I can buy everything. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Uh, But her card is frozen and she's crying because she, uh, because she can't buy Mark's present. Oh no. Uh, And Mark offers to pay her balance as her present. That's a lot of money, dude. Especially in 1997. I like how we were just shitting on how much money it's not. And then we're like, no, but it really is a lot of money. Like, no, especially context matters. Yeah. Especially 24 years ago with with inflation and whatnot. And to pay for a woman you've like barely been dating. Exactly. I don't think, I don't think not Lydia. I don't think Cynthia should be trusted with more money than that anyway. Who the most convincing argument you've put forward is, yeah, I like her. She's nice. (laughs) Cause she seems nice. Uh, isn't she gone yet? Can't soon. she please hopefully, be gone yet? Hopefully soon. Uh, if we go from there, we see our uh, next trauma coming in. A seven-year-old that got stuck in a chimney. He is coming in in respiratory distress. Uh, and we have a new EMT bringing him in. I say new in, in quotation marks because he won't be a very long-running EMT, but uh, he will serve a little bit of a storyline purpose. Uh, and he's a little bit recognizable. Uh, I think we picked him out almost immediately as a CSI alum along with uh, Georgia Fox. Yep. Um, EMT Greg Powell, played by actor George Eads, making his first out of three appearances uh, over the next probably season or so ish. He, I think he'll he'll be gone uh, before Clooney is, so he'll be well, gone by the by middle of next season at the latest. Well, yeah, because he probably goes on to start filming CSI because this is right about the time that that started. Mm-hmm. Was ninety seven? Yeah, really. The no. first CSI New York starts in ninety seven. If I recall, maybe I'm going to fact check you on that. I'm checking right now because I feel like it's 97. That's just where my brain puts it, but it might be 99. 
And CSI New York was the Sorry, spin-off. Las Vegas is the original one. Is it? Yes. CSI 2000. Las Vegas. It starts well, in October damn. of 2000. I would have placed CSI Las Vegas at 97, Miami at, at 2000. It's a good thing time has no meaning. I think meaning. It's, you're, you're three years off because I think it's yep. 2000 for CSI and 2003 for Miami. Yep. My bad. And 2004 for all the memes. <laughs> 2002 for Miami. Oh. This is now a CSI podcast, folks. Stay no, it's not. Oh, I do not yeah. like that show. I love that show. I it's used... one of the dumbest fucking shows I've ever seen. This is why I like House so much. I, I grew up loving CSI. Yeah, They're both procedurals. That, that makes sense now. Now I understand why you like House so much. <laughs> yep. It we all just makes to, sense. We need to enhance this 14 by 14 pixel image so it's perfectly clear and, enhance. and, and HD. <laughs> uh, Can clearly so, yeah. see the victim's face in two pixels. EMT Greg Powell. First of three appearances for the second time this episode. Lauren. Whose films are those? There it is. Uh, we see Henry watching, uh, really trying to get in there and get his intubation done. He really just wants to check off this last box and be done with it. Uh, but Green's kind of begs off and is like, you know, this isn't very a, really a very good teaching case. So Henry will have to wait just a little bit longer. Um, then we see... Carrie is giving Jeannie a little bit of like passive aggressive trouble for passing out needles to a clinic patient with Hep B, um, and Carrie's like, "That's illegal. You could get reported. Like, you shouldn't be doing that." And Jeannie's like, "Well, I'm going to replenish the stock from clinic supplies like later, but for now, I'm grabbing these." And she also goes, "The patient won't report me, Carrie. Will you?" So, just she's just she's just got no chill for Carrie today, um, or ever again. I would like to point out that Illinois has very strict laws on needle distribution. Yes, good context, good context. Yeah. As someone who injects weekly medication, these are things I need to know. Um, and then we find out Bart has left AMA because he's going to go and look at the park. And Peter says, you know, oh, he just wanted some attention. Like, again, he wasn't really blind. It's fine. He just wanted some attention. Yes, that's how that works. Then we go back over uh, Alice's turns out is working in the er today he says he likes to get his hands dirty and practice medicine actually once in a while he's not just you know a flashy salesman um and he also wants to make sure that carrie catches her flight for their uh conference thing whatever it is yeah quote unquote the um, con- medical conference is famous for the week of christmas yeah exactly and in tropical destinations yeah yeah of course um carrie's at, uh excuse me uh carol is asking if they can get a taxi voucher for pablo uh, since his shoes are missing. It seems like a very Pablo thing to yeah. happen. Um, my favorite is still when he gets deported and finds his way back and he has no memory of it. <laughs> or no idea what happened. Yeah. Uh, Carrie says he can wait in chairs because it's cold. You know, hey, a little compassion for a homeless person. Imagine that. Um, and Ellis asks who pays for the vouchers and turns comes out of the ER budget and he wonders if a cab company will possibly can compensate them. It's goodwill and good marketing. Can I just say from a from a standpoint of like managerial suggestions for things, like this struck such a chord with me, the whole cab voucher thing, because I had a boss once who used to always do this hand wavy bullshit that just assumed that local companies or like cab companies or any like you name it like think of it he would just assume that these places would just give us shit for free out of the goodness of their hearts or like for the quote-unquote good pr that was usually his hand wavy excuse for it It was like oh i'm sure they would put an ad in their their quarterly newsletter for our whatever the fuck without us paying because he never wanted to pay for anything he never wanted to front the money for us to actually get advertising or do any of the things we were supposed to do as a business uh, he just wanted other people to give us stuff for free and it would always fall on me to have to go and make those requests and be like, Hey, would you give us stuff for free? Cause my boss says you will like, <laughs> uh, like, it's, those like were just so... it's like saying exposure is good payment for artists, right? Yeah. Pay your, pay your design people gang. Yeah. It just struck a weird chord with me of just like, uh, like people don't just give stuff out for free out of the goodness of their hearts. Like they really, I don't care if it's a hospital. They don't, it just, it doesn't happen. But uh, in any event, uh, we see Carol noticing uh, the EMT from earlier. He's gone and gotten himself cleaned up, and he's actually quite handsome, she notices, when he's all cleaned up. A little bit of foreshadowing here, uh, and goes to get him a coat. Then we have our next patient. Oh, my God. Vinny Capazello? Sure. 
Here, we'll go with that. Vinny, Italian man, um, comes in with shortness of breath and chest pain. Ellis jumps in to help with the trauma. They think it's an MI, so they think he's got a heart attack. Um, Henry is still trying to get his intubation done. And I want to note here, his name is George Henry, not Henry. We may have covered this on his first episode, but my whole life is a lie. And I forgot this, and I was very baffled by this this episode. I, I mean, don't... I, I completely forgot, too, so it's not just you. Yeah, they makes... never call him anything other than Henry. Henry. So. Yeah. yeah, so that's just the random side note. That just every everything I know is a lie. It's fine. Um, and as Vinny is becoming unconscious, he says, I love you, Maria. And Henry leans in to listen instead of helping with the trauma. So they boot him to the side. They're like, you need to get away. You're not helping. Please move. I can't remember if it, it was a very nice little like blink and you miss it line and, and touch that I did enjoy. Because we did sort of like, I can't remember if it was last episode or two episodes ago where Henry had his uh, latex allergy crisis. But um I did like, I can't remember if it was this trauma here or the previous one where Mark was like, it's not a good teaching case. There was a brief moment where Henry was, it was as the camera was panning around, you hear Henry tell Carter, don't worry, I brought my own gloves. Uh, yes. Which was a very like good little like, <laughs> okay, Yay. I like that. I liked that. I imagine that would be very important for him. You know, I'm just, one of the things I'm just wondering is like, wouldn't, doesn't he use gloves when he's handling stuff? Upstairs oh yeah, in it's, the full of, it's full, full of it's full of plot holes. holes, and and there's actually a moment because I, I noted it as I was watching. I forgot to write it down where, but there's a moment where he definitely cross contaminates. Like he like reaches out and like shakes somebody's hand while they're wearing latex gloves. So he definitely cross contaminates himself at least once in this episode. So it's a it's a, a a character wrinkle that is just riddled with holes. But you know he's also gone for the next eight years, so we don't have to worry about it anymore. Fair enough. Talk to us again in a co- in like three years when we get to that episode, um, and we go up to the surgical floor. Uh, Doctor Corday is flying to London that night. She's carrying around a ton of luggage, um, and Romano offers to have to have her help finish it, finish Allison's reconstructive surgery. The one that we recognize uh, she's the the black girl with the uh, with the blonde short blonde curly hair. Yeah. Um, that the previous surgery put her uh the young lady into a coma so and uh which leaves uh elizabeth very concerned about that and then we see carter offering to let henry practice his intubation on Vinny, who just passed and this is a deal that like they kind of breeze past and it's kind of like played off as just like a a funny haha moment which it sort of is but like i feel like there's a much larger ethical dilemma at play here that they don't really explore at all um so as he's as carter is you know letting henry practice on him the Vinny's brother comes in and is immediately under the impression that they're still treating him and that he is still alive and carter just kind of goes with it and starts to you know yell and gesticulate and move things around it as if the patient is still alive and they're still doing things as he quite you know quickly tries to usher the brother out of the room um and i don't know i just feel like that like Maybe I'm being overly sensitive, but like I just feel like that's something that's a bigger ethical deal than they really go to the oh, trouble yeah. of addressing oh, here. Absolutely. Like it seems like a much shittier thing that Carter's doing here than just a quick haha funny laugh and then move on. I don't know. But Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, and what I would like to say before we get into our next uh um our next character storyline that does deal with sexual assault. So if that is something you're very sensitive to, uh, we would encourage you to uh, probably just don't listen to the rest of this episode. Uh, We'll see you next week for episode 11. Uh, Thank you for listening at this point. But uh, our next patient is a 67-year-old woman who was found bound and gagged by a neighbor. uh, Potential sexual assault. Um, There was duct tape over her mouth and the word whore written on her abdomen. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. This is the Christmas episode. I mean, I know I get like, I know I get nitpicky about Christmas episodes always being like by the numbers and dispensable and, you know, interchangeable and there's nothing special about them really. This is not the special I want. Like, this is not, this is not what I mean when I say make the Christmas episode special. This is not what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, Not great, Bob. This is, this is, this was bleak. So, and Daniel, thank you for warning us that this was coming up when we were doing our notes watch this week. It was greatly appreciated. Um, 
But then we switch over to Jeannie is in the lounge and she's looking something in her purse slash locker. I'm going to guess it's her meds. We don't find out right here, but I'm going to guess it's her meds with how urgency she's looking for this. And then we have Elizabeth and Romano are working on the second wave of the leg surgery. And um, Lizzie is not happy that they are doing this procedure. She feels guilty and she really doesn't know if it's safe to be doing wave two. So she's going to have to deal with some of that guilt. Um, Jeannie asks Carrie if she can dispense her triple cocktail since she left her meds at home and it would be over an hour or two by the time she got there and back. And it's it would be out of her strict regimen window. So, And uh, we go back over to Henry and Carter. Henry is a little bit flustered here uh, given the, oh shit, what the fuck did we just do? You know, it's because you shouldn't have been practicing on that specific body while... It's one thing to do it on, like, a cadaver. Or, or down in the like morgue if yeah, it's got right. clearance. Yeah, but just to do it on a freshly deceased person. God. Ugh. Yeah, but again, they, they just kind of brush past it. They never really explore this, and Carter never really, or Henry, either one of them really goes through any sort of, like, complex feelings about this. It's kind of just played for laughs. Yeah, so Carter basically just does your, you know, your typical spiel of, we did your your friend brother whatever came in with uh massive internal injuries you know we don't want unable to reset we did everything we could unable to resuscitate them and uh you know everything's going fine you know perfectly normal you know it's normal as shattering someone's world to tell you by telling them their loved one can be um but henry has to break in with the and tells uh tells the woman that Vinny's last words were i love you maria and his wife's name is angela awkward maria is is the brother's wife it's such a good little twist it's so funny whoops like, yeah no yeah it's it's a fine little and but it's and it's a, a twist that could have been still accomplished without the preceding scene like right. without him experimenting on a body it it just you could have still done the same thing i don't know why they chose to do that or if they're gonna do it explore it that's the thing if you're gonna do something like that at least have a point to it don't just do it for the sake of doing it but i digress um again going back to the sexual assault storyline if you're scrubbing through maybe skip through the la- the next like minute or two yeah uh but we're back with our 67 year old patient mrs larkin and uh, carol is helping out here asking her some questions regarding the assault um she was violated at at a minimum uh you know vaginally by a penis uh kind of goes into a recounting of what happened and you can just see Mark is clearly upset and kind of triggered by this and, you know, thinking of his own assault. Um, and so he kind of quietly excuses himself and leaves the woman to Carol. So this um, this patient clearly has kind of a hits close to home mm-hmm. for, for Mark. Most definitely. Then we see Anna looked into Bart's chart and his history. He was, in fact, blind on his last visit last year. And Peter is still trying to figure out the guy's angle. Like, what was the manipulation? What was he hoping to gain? And just then, Bart's friend Tommy comes in in a wheelchair saying that Bart was talking about how Benton can cure him. Uh, nope. That's not how that works. And then Mark is giving the detectives details about Mrs. Larkin's assault. And he just kind of says flippantly to them, like, it's hard to take notes when you're being bludgeoned. I mean, it's true. Yeah, because they're yeah. they makes they make some comment about how you know the victim's um, recollection isn't always accurate. Mark's like, well, it's a little hard to do when you're on the floor being beaten. Oh boy, happy times. Um, uh, Doctor Corday has delayed her cab because Allison is finally awake and tells her exactly what happened. Um, Allison has no clue what happened to her or her mom, and. The actress who plays Allison is doing really just does amazing physical acting mm-hmm. this episode mm-hmm. with because she has no ability to speak because of the um, her crushed larynx. Yeah, she's a crushed larynx and her and also she's been intubated for the last ten days. Can't imagine how much that must hurt. Ugh. Not great. Oy. Then we go back down to the admit desk and we see Cynthia is wrapping up a present at the desk and Mark tries to snoop in see maybe that's possibly for him. Uh, then we get find out more legal stuff was dropped off for him, and we find out ready to add another layer of uh, messiness and upsetting things to Cynthia's storyline. We find out that the presents are for Cynthia's son. He is five, and she has not seen him since he was two. 
Uh, yeah, dad and her split when he was born, and uh, the ex's parents took the kid when he was born because, uh, you know, as you might expect, Cynthia was a bit of a mess. Now, I will say with this, I do give Cynthia credit for acknowledging this and, you know, stepping up and doing the hard thing and giving her son away. Mm-hmm. Like, so that there is that, at least. Like, I know we rag on Cynthia for how sloppy she is, but that's one thing where, at least when it came to her son, she did what was theoretically right based off what we know sure yeah no, um, i think that's fair but on the other hand the part of me that's filling in canon for this assumes that mark paid her credit card and she immediately like ran out on her break and got presents with it for her kid that's the shitty thing i assume i know it's unlikely with the timeline but just like that's the awful thing my brain filled in with her well, suddenly having a stack of presents to be wrapping at the desk. Yeah. And even if that was the case, I mean, I guess I would rather she be doing that than doing yeah. something else with the money, you know, or, yeah. or, you know, I mean, are, yeah, kids are, kids are like rough on toys and grow out of them quickly and lose interest in them quickly, but they're still kids and they're yeah. still bringing them happiness or whatever. So that's, I'm fine with that for the most part. But the, the main takeaway here is that you can, you can see the like visible surprise and sort of almost discomfort on Mark's like, part when he's like, Oh, you have a kid. Oh, okay. you never mentioned him. Yeah. We've never talked about this before. Like, Hmm. So we will circle back to that later. Yep. And then Gamma is here with Santa, AKA Chase in a Santa suit. Um, while they're there talking to Carol, Chase asks if anyone smells smoke. It turns out the Christmas tree is on fire from the old Christmas lights and Carol runs over and extinguishes it. Then the sprinklers go off on her. So Carol is just having an evening. And Carol then gives the basic uh, ER tour to and clinic tour to Gamma. So we will come back to that. Up until the sprinklers go off, though, it's a very triumphant moment for Carol. It really is. It's shot very heroically. Like, yep. She looks good. Yep. But then we go from there. We see Benton talking to one of the janitors. And it is actually our same janitor from the live episode. Uh, a little bit of continuity there. Who will actually, surprise to my surprise, uh, will make one more appearance in 2000. So mm. we'll see him a couple of seasons from now. Not 2005, though. Not 2000. 2005. No, he's not He's not. You know, cool enough to be in the Dan Hidea Chad Lowe class. He's five years earlier. Um, but Benton's talking to him. One of His uh, floor buffer is broken. They're talking about holiday plans. And he pats him on the shoulder as he goes to leave. And the floor buffer starts up again. And we do the weird, like, Christmas twinkle cliche <laughs> christmas twinkle thing it's you know it is what it is uh, and then after that uh let's go to the lounge carol's looking for some decaf and bumps into mark hey mark Hi. if we have any decaf decaf what's the point well carter's grandmother's asking for it listen did you catch that cynthia said what she has a kid five-year-old boy living with her ex-boyfriend's parents. Is this the first you've heard of it? Bad sign. You're asking me? Doug warned me not to get involved. Well, I mean, if she's expecting something of you you're not willing to give, you're not doing her any favors by dragging it out. I'm not dragging anything out. Cynthia's great. Yikes. Like I said before, the biggest, the biggest, uh, whatchamacallit, that he can muster up in defense of his relationship with Cynthia is, <laughs> oh, she's great. She, yeah. she's, she's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Ugh, Mark, my man. He's he's finally shed the shitty Mark part. Now he just needs to shed shed the problematic person the problematic person that he's dating. Right. And then we can get back to we can get back to the good things. I think I think if I remember correctly, I think it's four. I think we have four episodes left with her, and then she's gone. Yeah, because she goes to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're getting very close. Okay. okay. Um, then we have Benton and Lizzie talking about Allison and Lizzie has bumped her flight to a red eye so she can stay and like observe some, some more of Allison's recovery. And Lizzie wants to confess that the first procedure was what put Allison in the coma in the first place and wants, and Benton mentions like, Oh, you want to purge your guilt and make you feel better. It's not about her at all. Which is a good point. It is. It is. Then we then go down. We see Green talking to the cops, very invested in their thoughts uh, regarding uh, Mrs. Larkin's situation. Um, but based on what he hears from them and kind of his own experience with his own assault, he he knows they won't do shit. So 
hard to hard to really get work up too much enthusiasm for it. Yep. Uh, Gamma has come into the clinic with a ton of presents for all of the clinic patients. Uh, and Henry is trying to get uh, sign off for a, a lumbar puncture on a guy with the flu, and Carter is like, "No, he's got the stomach flu." Like, yeah, just... like he's trying he's trying to make a case that he might have meningitis, and Carter's like, "No, it's the flu. Get yeah. out of here." But uh, we then see Carol talking with Gamma about the care that they give, and she introduces her to Jeannie and asks Jeannie to let Gamma shadow her while she visits some patients. So we will circle back to this little nugget here a little bit later. Uh, and then we go back up to the surgical floor. Uh, Dr. Corday is removing the intubation tube from Allison. And like I said before, it tells her not to speak. The tube has been in there for over a week. And uh, asked to get a head and neck surgeon on call to come down. And you would think that someone would be around mm. because emergencies happen. But the uh, the nurse or Probably who is she talking the nur- to? the nurse on on the floor or whatever. Yeah, is like, good luck getting him in on Christmas. He's probably... Had to do a party. Yeah, or something. <laughs> like, you're a county ER. Would right. you not have at least one person, one person on staff who knows about this stuff? You would think so. Yep. And then Jeannie is talking to a girl trying to get um, her to get an HIV test. She's pregnant. And this is, this girl has to be, like, late teens. Um and she says, well, you know, with your history of gonorrhea or chlamydia, I don't remember which, it's really important for you to, you know, potentially get this done. And this girl goes, I don't have AIDS. I don't sleep with gay guys or druggies. And Jeannie just looks at her and goes, well, neither did I. Mm. And the girl's like, wait, you have HIV? And she goes, yep. It's really important that you get that you get this looked at. And so the girl's like, okay, you know how long will it take so genie's convinced this girl to get it by being straight with her and gamma is a little unreadable in the background and her reaction to hearing that like we're supposed to be unsure on Mm -hmm. if she's offended like her old-timey sensibilities or if she's inspired by it we really can't tell which way it's gonna go right now yeah she plays that perfectly like she yeah she has the perfect like facial because she doesn't say a word but she has the perfect facial expression to express that like lack of emotion where it's like either she's either horrified by what she just heard and is ready to shut this whole operation down immediately or she's completely on board with it and is like steadfast in her commitment to it it could literally go either way that's a perfect bit of facial acting by her uh but we go from there we see bart is back and uh he's blind again and uh they're trying to get a a head ct on him uh but bart is just begging for benton to touch him and fix him again so that he can see very very sad benton can actually do what all those uh, preachers on sunday uh free <laughs> over the air tv claim people claim oh, they can do oh god can't wait until we get the episode with one of those which is coming i've oh is it really oh yeah it's coming we've oh jeez. I forget if it's this season or next but yeah there is definitely an episode with a televangelist who claims he can heal people Oh, isn't that the one where his wife and they want to film? Yep. He's in the, while well, he's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So much, so much to get to. God, we're only a third of the, we're only like a little less than halfway through season four of 15. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Uh, but for now, let's go back, uh, let's go back to another audio clip for you. Uh, Mrs. Larkin is going to have a little chat with Mark. I'll dress this. An orthopedist will look at your ankle and will admit you for observation. He'll be so disappointed. Sorry? I play the organ at church. They always have an organ for Christmas mass. I'm sure they'll understand. Probably too late to find a substitute. Mrs. Larkin, you have to stop worrying about mass. You've been through something horrible. I don't want to talk about that. You don't have to. It's so hard. I'm so angry. I hate him, whoever he is. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't be like that. I have to forgive. You don't have to forgive anybody. He did this, not you. Hating him won't make this go away. 
afraid nothing will make it go away. Oof. Yikes. She good. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yep. Right? Oh, my God. I just want my fucking shitty, bland Christmas episode back. Like, just... Ugh. Careful what you wish for, Daniel. I know. Like, this is a real monkey's paw situation here. I don't like it. <sighs> God. And then we have Mark walks by the admit desk, says he needs to step away for a little bit, asks Carrie to cover for him because there's something he needs to handle. He says, like, oh, you know, I covered, I've covered for you this morning. Can you please just help me out? Then he asks Cynthia if she can take the L home, not necessarily to his place, that he'll call her later and, you know, let her know. Yeah. Also, can I just go back really quick Sorry. to the to the to the clip? Please. Can we just say how awesome it is that Mark is actually so self aware now? Now that he actually had his yeah. come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Like how awesome it that is to see how self aware he is and with his feelings and like how we can just he's living with them now. Mm-hmm. instead of just shoving them away he's still struggling a little bit but yeah you definitely see that moment of growth where this is this is a much better response to someone else having a traumatic moment compared to how he's been in previous episodes lately mm-hmm. yeah. alright uh, now let's go to our next one uh, Carol's asking Gamma if she needs to see anything else so let's see what happens here I'm sorry I've been so busy did you get to see anything interesting it's been a very enlightening experience is there anything else you'd like to see? No, I've seen everything I needed to. Uh, may I use your phone? Yes, of course. Uh, we're having a potluck dinner if you'd like to stay. No, thank you. Is she upset? I'm not sure. Oh, John, um, I'm ready to leave. Where's your cousin? I thought he was with you. Maybe he's still handing out gifts. Are you talking about Santa? Yeah. He went out for some fresh air. Hey! Santa, you in there? What is this? It's nothing. Nothing? Shut the door. Are you crazy? What the hell do you think you're doing? This little stocking stuffer. This isn't funny. How long you been doing this? John, chill out. It's... I'm not an addict. I just... I do it when I'm bored, okay? (laughs) Cannot believe how stupid I was. Spider bite. That was from skin popping, wasn't it? You lied to me? Can you blame me? Oh, come on, you're smarter than this. I got it under control. Yeah, yeah. So does every street junkie that I see that comes through this place. I am not a street junkie. And I buy pure stuff. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care how pure it is. You know what? Thank you for the medical advice, doctor. But I'd prefer it if you were just my cousin. Taking to hiding out in cars, have we? Filling in for your grandfather doesn't entitle you to his bad habits. I had some work I had to do, but... Or his excuses. Something the matter? No. I better get back. Come a little early tonight, John. Your grandfather would like to talk to you. I'll try. Uh Uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. Ruh-roh. That was a uh, heroin, we believe he was injecting, right? Yeah. What's the what is skin popping? Can someone explain that? Because that means something very different to me in 2021 versus. I'm googling what I'm right assuming now. Assuming it means here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing where I read off Wikipedia for us. Go for it. Um, skin popping is a route of administration of street drugs where they are injected or deposited under the skin. That doesn't seem so. like a very effective. It leads to a slower, more long-burning high because it's slower to disperse into the capillaries. Uh, okay. What uh, what medica- What drugs are typically uh, used in this manner? It says high, higher potency prescription opioids such as morphine, fentanyl, or... Mm, I can't read that last one. Meperidine can be injected subcutaneously, as can cocaine. I guess if you were in his situation where you're trying to maintain public appearances, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't want to necessarily just go off to the limo and get fucking gorked immediately. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought with the tourniquet and him yeah. injecting into his the, his elbow, I thought it's typically that's... heroin that you would think of. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, Chase. either way, Chase, you dumb motherfucker. Chase, you never mess way. with that stuff, kids. Don't do smoke it. all the weed you want. Never mess with heroin. Oh yeah, yeah. So then we go, we see Benton reviewing Bart's CT scan uh, with a neurologist uh, and sees that a tumor has been pressing on the optic nerve, causing the blindness. 
um, and no way that he should have been able to see based on the neurologist's neurologist's assessment. Uh, the tumor has likely been growing unchecked for years. And so he's probably been blind for years. So there's really no reason why he should have had that brief moment of sight that he had this morning. Um, and just a note here that the neurologist, the neurologist that he's talking to um, is played by actress Kathleen Lloyd. And this is her first of two appearances as this neurologist. So we will see her uh, come back a little bit later. Uh, we then see Romano inviting Lizzie to a party on the top floor of the Prudential building. First, this is kind of the first little bit we see of Romano kind of trying to work his rocket magic on uh, Lizzie. Doesn't really work. Yikes. Doesn't really work. She's not picking up what he's putting down. But uh, also, bless him, he keeps noting, trying. It's also worth noting that the Prudential building is near where I work. And it's a very nice building. And I'm wondering... If at that point, if it would have been Prue 1 or Prue 2. Because didn't we establish that we had seen at least one of the buildings of the Prudential oh, Plaza? Prudential building, like Prudential building, where Prue 1, as it's called, has been there for a while. That's okay. that's an older one. It's it's the Pruden- Prudential 2 is the one that looks like the Chrysler building. Yeah, yeah. That's the um, look, one say, Prudential Plaza. Prudential building, I feel like, played a pretty, when they would do those like 90s Bulls, intros and stuff yeah, where they cross um, the skyline that was always part of it yeah 1990 1995 is what 1955 i can't read is when the first one went up that's likely the one he's talking about because that's the flat topped one yeah um yeah two prue was built in 90 okay so it would have been there what there wouldn't have been it, a roof rooftop what's the building in the chicago skyline that looks like it has like the front like it's like a slice oh, has been the, taken out. Oh, the like it. diamond. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know what that one's. That's called. right at Michigan and Randolph. I know that. I don't know what it's called though. Other than the Sears Tower, that's the building that I always associate with the Chicago skyline. Do you mean not the Blue Cross Blue Shield building? That's mm. just on the street from it, or the Aon Center, aka the the same, a clone of the World Trade Center. I have worked in two of those buildings. I know. But yeah, so um, what were we talking about? Just, I uh, just, very, very, <laughs> I was just getting back to the thing. Um, very, very famous building in the Chicago skyline, and very, very nice um, set of offices to be going to visit for a party. Neat, and also yes, this is where Rocket's crush starts to show up. Um, then we have Connie asking Carol to cover her for New Year's Eve because Connie got invited to go to a Gladys Knight concert. And Carol tries to swap for Christmas Eve so she can see Doug. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, I believe. Christmas Eve. So she doesn't say so she can see Doug, but she's like, yep, I'll trade you if you take Christmas Eve. So we'll see. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a delivery outside for Carol. And Carol walks outside and it is a gorgeous tree. Along with a check for $150,000. So there's your Christmas miracle, Daniel. There you go. This tree looks like something they would have put in the Macy's building. Or not Macy's building. Yeah, the Marshall Fields building. It's a huge tree. Huge tree, very ornately. De- and, like, it comes delivered already, like, decorated and lit and everything. Like, gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, that building, the building you were referring to was just called 150 Michi- North Michigan Avenue. No fancy name. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it is a very definitive look. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to another audio clip for us. Uh, we're on a street here. We're on a dark street here. Uh, Mark gets out of his car and goes up to a very pretty brownstone. So let's see what's let's see what he's up to here. Hi, I'm Mark Green. I'm the doctor. I know who you are. Yes. I'm very sorry for your loss. It's Christmas Eve, Dr. Green. I know. What the hell are you doing here? Uh, I came to apologize. Thought you was above all that. Your uptown lawyer, he blew us off. He, he was wrong. I, I was wrong. I can't tell you if my assumption about your brother was racism or experience. Probably both, but I can tell you that I used you. It wasn't you. No. You feel better now? Maybe. 
Can't front, though. Hell, I was glad when I heard you got beat down. I wanted you to hurt. Whether you get messed up or we get a million dollars, our brother's still dead. Some punk dealer shot him. And there's no meaning in that. I'm sorry. Look, kids, it's the only moment in this episode that matters. Uh, yeah, resolution. I, I really don't know how I feel about Mark saying the whole, like, I don't know if it was racism or experience or both. Yeah, that like, was that kind of a strange. Like kind of a, that's kind of a shitty cop out. A little bit, a little bit. Either way, he's owning up to it. He's as, like, no, it's still me that did it. But... As best he can. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is uh, really the only, th- the only thing you really need from this episode is this moment right here. Yep. And maybe there maybe there's something coming up here in a short in a short bit, but yep. And then from there, we have Benton is checking in on Bart, lets him know the prognosis about the tumor, and Bart's so sweet. He says like, "Oh, you know, if I get it removed, would I be able to see again?" And Benton's you know like, unfortunately, not likely. And it's very sweet. Bart talks about all the things he saw in the park that afternoon and how beautiful it was. Just how we don't how we take that all for granted. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have a gorgeous view right now from our sunshine. Yeah. Sun is shining. Lots of beautiful buildings in our view. You'll love to see it. It's the little things in life, folks. Um, Merry, but here, but Merry, here's, Merry Christmas in May. Yes. Uh, but here's a big thing that's going to be happening. Uh, let's get our next audio. Uh, it starts off with Carol in the lounge with Doug. Hello. Good. Hey, good day. Mm, it ended good. Guess you got tomorrow off. So you didn't flex a little muscle, did you? Well, I had to give up New Year's, but I figure it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. What? Uh, I volunteered to work for Anna tomorrow. She's an intern. Oh, I just thought maybe you'd spend more time together then. Oh, you didn't. <clears throat> no, I didn't. That's a lie. Oh, God. <laughs> it was romantic, though. Hell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come here. Can I have your attention, everybody? Hello? Can I have your attention, please? I have an announcement to make. Put down that music. Okay. I've kept this a secret far too long. Doug Ross and I are seeing each other again. Yeah. And we're very happy. Okay, pay up. Pay up. I was a week too late. I thought New Year's for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised I kept it a secret this long. You knew? Please, honey, it was obvious. Well, I, I didn't know. Me either. Maybe uh, something that you guys didn't know is uh, that uh, we've been seeing each other for uh, a little while now, again, and uh, I think it would be great if she were to marry me. Hey! Oh! I mean, you want to talk her into it? Help me talk her into it. Hey! Get it right this time. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, here, here, here. You always have to outdo me, don't you? Oh, I had the opportunity and I took it. Congratulations. I'm so happy for the both of you. Doug Carter. You. Hey, everybody. Let's move this party outside. She's going to stick around till I get off work? Hell no. All right. I guess that kind of matters. Yeah. I think Carol and Doug getting married is a fucking little, is a big wrinkle. Although, although, we never actually see them get married. They never That's have true. a wedding. Which, can we talk about that for a second? How did they manage... As, as popular as this show is, and as big of a star as Clooney is already on the on track to be, how did they resist the temptation to do a wedding episode for Doug and Carol? Like, they have to know, because Clooney leaves for contractual reasons. It was not, I mean, well, it that's that's putting it too simply. Like, he he's leaving to pursue his movie career, and he's leaving... He leaves when he leaves because his contract is up. It's not like Sherry Stringfield where, you know, she's just dissatisfied with her life at that point and her celebrity status and stuff. And she just wants to leave. And so she leaves before her contract is up and it's unexpected. They pretty much know at this point Clooney's contract is up middle of next season. How have they, how do they go in one season's time and not manage to squeeze in a wedding episode? That would have done an incredible number. I mean, not that they needed the help. They were already pulling in 30, 35 million people a week anyway. But, I mean, I just don't understand how they resisted that temptation. From a story reason, I think it would make total sense that Carol wouldn't want a big wedding after what happened with Tag. True. True. I think that 
she would be very very gun shy to go through all that stuff again yeah especially you know as sure as she may feel about being with doug you know she was very she was pretty sure about being with tag no yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of storyline justification to support it i'm i guess i'm more interested in the like creative discussions of like yeah. Okay, we got to do a wedding episode, right? And then how did it, how did the how did the dissenting side win that argument? How did they manage to hold off on doing a wedding episode for the entirety of the rest of the time Clooney's on the show and even when there's cameo appearance and she goes back, they still don't do it. Like they still just live happily ever after and we're just left to assume everything. I mean, it's I'm not complaining about it necessarily. I just think it's interesting. I just think it's it's a really bold choice to make, particularly in this era where every show was doing a wedding episode. Every show had the big wedding episode when the big, you know, the couple got together. So I don't know. It's just interesting. But uh, we close out the episode here out in the ambulance bay where we get our big, you know, silent night Christmas caroling moment, whatever. I don't even I guess it is. Uh, Do you see what I see is what they're they're singing, right? Um, but we, we see Carter giving Henry his evaluation as a present. He passed him. Bye bye, Henry for eight years. Won't see you again for a while. Um, everybody's very cute playing in the snow. Uh, we then see Lizzie sitting with the head and neck specialist with Allison and Mark and Cynthia just kind of zonked out on the couch in a very bleak, uh, like with the, with the Christmas music playing in the background and Mark with like the thousand yard stare as he's laying there. Like it's very, very bleak picture it paints there uh, and benton headed out to the family party and uh d- it's very much game shows touch our lives by um by mountain goats the the mood between the two of them i'm in the mood mood for you just just, just gonna throw out a mountain goat song there everybody go listen to it it's a great one if you like indie music and you're not listening to mountain goats what are you even doing nothing good so we had a uh, how do we feel about this one fine yeah I, I, I don't know like i like i've said all along it i i'm always a harsh critic of christmas episodes i think they're mostly dispensable and mostly by the numbers and very like you know meh and then this one tries to go some sort of a little bit in the other direction and it like it's too much in the other direction like i would like a little bit less sexual assault in my christmas episode thank you um typically and but then also too but it's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too like they're trying to do the like super serious hard-hitting storyline but then also have the weird cliche twinkle stuff behind benton's story and it's just kind of just weird it's It's a weird mixed bag like i don't really like i they're trying to please everybody and i think and by response they're they're pleasing nobody but i would give this one a solid six and a half probably yeah uh probably say it like without the without the like overarching impact stuff like the the proposal yeah proposal air quotes like the like no like she's gonna marry me just you people people, yeah you people convince her please (laughs) um and the some of the resolution with mark Mm -hmm. and um i don't know like it's a fine episode. It's it's that, a damn that, that has a lot of, that has a lot of stuff that it just doesn't need. Yes, for especially for a Christmas episode. Like I would have preferred a, a schmaltzy Christmas episode over what we got with this one. Yeah, and it well, and also too, I feel like you could have accomplished similar goals with um, Mark's, particularly with Mark's situation. You could have accomplished similar goals just by having the woman simply get assaulted, like just have her get beat up. Uh, on a train platform as a result of a mugging or something. Yeah. You did not need to sexually assault the old woman, like in order to get your emotional point across. And you certainly didn't need to scrawl horror across her stomach. Like that was, that I, that felt like, that felt like a level of escalation that was, it, it was too much. Like we didn't need all of that in order to get to where we needed to get to with Mark. And so that I think is part of what I dislike about it. I will say though, it's a damn sight better than season three's Christmas episode where they all gaslit Jeannie into thinking that she was their family. Like that was the worst Christmas episode I've ever seen. So uh, this is definitely better than that. Even though I still don't like it very much better than that. Lauren, any thoughts? It's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Merry you Christmas, took, everyone. You guys took the good points. It's fine. Lauren's drunk it's on eggnog going. in the corner. The, the really qu- the real question here is did we see what they saw 
Yeah, we, we, we saw too much. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see what they saw. You're grounded. I would like to see less. No, I'm not. You, we're, you're not on the show next week. We're, we're going to have a guest star. Don't, okay, yeah, don't, don't give her that out. <laughs> don't, <laughs> okay, bye. Do not give her permission to sit one of these out. Everyone knows I'm the most popular person on this podcast anyway. I mean, you, you, were, you were the one that everyone wanted to know on the live the other night where the hell you were. I did I'm pass sorry, on those well I was wishes. Feeling like total, total dog shit, and did not have sitting. You, you would in not a have chair. had an hour of doing that I didn't, with us. I just simply did not but have it. I mean, you, chronic pain is a real bitch, it folks. Is, it is, and then you're totally valid in your rights to uh, to step aside for Tap that. Tap out for bonus content. But yeah. I will say, you were missed. I Aww. did. I did share all those well wishes. I love all of you too. Lauren, what did a listener have to say about this? Episode? Uh, Franner W is quoting the disgusting interaction between Ellis and Carrie when they're talking about, you know, their flight that night. And Carrie says, I didn't pack my bathing suit. And Ellis says, don't worry. I know a private beach. And Fran and Franner responded with the nauseous emoji three times. Three about to vomit emojis. (laughs) That that sums it up. Uh, That's my feeling. I'm going to say, I'm going to say again, good on Carrie for getting some. She works hard. She deserves to have a little fun. I know we don't necessarily approve of Ellis, but your, your girl needs some. Before you know it, it'll be gay fun. Spoilers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Overall, let's go to the next episode. I'm done. Okay. Meh. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, folks. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Uh, we recently did one about work horror stories, so please tune into that. Um, and we'll also do uh, monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie and featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. Uh, we'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lobob92345, full of cats, Animal Crossing, and politics. You love to see it. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Random Gamer. That's J M three R. Usually retweeting trans memes and leftist shit and Magic the Gathering. That's true. And and live tw- and semi live tweeting my watch through Grey's Anatomy, which I've watched uh, almost five completes almost five complete seasons in the last two and a half weeks. We're finishing season five after we hang up this recording. I have a problem. Okay. The only solution is more Meredith Grey. Exactly. Obviously. Daniel is not here for this. Let's go. I'm telling you, I'm I'm speaking into existence from McDreamy to McSteamy, a Grey's Anatomy retrospective. Daniel will yeet his computer out of the closet window that doesn't exist. Yeah. Come y'all on, are, folks. Y'all are on your own for that one. Yell at us on social media. Yell at Daniel on social media. <laughs> it's bad enough that we still have to put him through my Lord of the Rings bonus episode. That's very that's very true. But tweet me your opinions on uh, Grey's Anatomy, and I'll chime in with my, with my uh, literal shouting at characters making terrible decisions. Uh, you can also find me on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, uh, doing a Let's Play of Pokemon Shield. Uh, the episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.